For Truth with a Texas Twain, Fireside Talk Radio, the show where women ponder the things we store in our hearts. Host Kathy Carafi invites experts to talk openly about what women care about, like how to create lifelong companionship, dealing with mental illness in our families, bullying at school, and many others. You name it, we talk about it. Listen in now as Kathy helps us find answers to our most tender questions. Welcome to Camp Crafty's Fireside Talk Radio, where our goal is to ponder over all the tried and true stuff women store in our hearts as we knit our families together in lifelong fellowship. Our favorite verse on this show is Luke 2.19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. We want to thank Home Instead, our sponsor for this episode. Home Instead Senior Care provides trustworthy, kind-hearted senior home care services in your loved one's home. All caregivers are thoroughly screened, extensively trained, professional, and reliable. At Home Instead, it's about providing the highest quality home care services to fit you and your family's needs. Now, I brought back John Drury to give us wisdom today, and I think, John, we're going to call this How Wives Can Help Their Husbands Find Significance. But what I want to say is I gave your whole, uh, not all of it, but I gave a lot of your bio on that last program. And it was all I could do to keep around. I really wanted to hear your story. I wanted my listeners to value what you're sharing. But it was all I could do to keep around on the conversation. I wanted to jump in and get your wisdom. So I'm not going to do your bio again. (laughs) Instead, I'm going to quote you. I love this quote. Okay. I know it sounds simplistic, but love your husband. I think my wife's love formed part of my healing. I just love this. Encourage him. The world associates rejection by others. The world associates and rejections by others can all beat on him. Pray for him, especially to diffuse the lies within. And also pray to find a mentor to show him his value. You, you I mean, there's just page after page of this stuff. As a wife, I was so encouraged that somebody is talking about this. So, Thank you so much. I liked what you. I liked what you said on page eighteen. You had this whole story about the the little boy playing basketball and the the parents oh. shouting from the sidelines, and you wanted to scream. What are you doing? Is a basket worth more than a boy? Yeah, that was right. I was coaching second grade basketball, and it was a boy. His his parents demanded perfection. Demanded mm. to make every basket. And, and just drove him. And I've seen other parents that just beat their kids down with this, these expectations. Mm. And instead of loving and encouraging, uh, they, they beat them down. So that's kind of, a, kind of a sad picture. Well, what do you say? Because, you know, I'm watching TV, too, and I know what's on there. And, and sometimes you even have some of these talking heads will even come at, like they call them the snowflakes. So, so how do we as parents find the difference between being too hard on our kids and we don't want to just give them a trophy for everything they do? So what's the balance? Well, I, I know in dealing with one thing I went through, and you've, you've read some of my comments about, you know, love your husband, encourage him, pray for him, help him solve the lies within. And, 
that truth was interesting. At the last interview, we I talked about how my wife shared truth with me. You know, I came home one day and she said, "Do you realize you don't have any friends?" Mm-hmm. And it, it it exposed that lie. And it even though I was angered, I was furious uh, initially. Mm-hmm. I realized I needed God's truth in this area of mm-hmm. friendship because I had blocked friendships. I was too mm-hmm. small. I was too insignificant. I was not worthy of friendship with another because I felt so small about myself. And so that became the process of studying. The Lord took me to the scriptures to study David and Jonathan, mm. Christ and the Twelve, um, mm. Elijah and Elisha. And, and I learned from all those friendships. And then finally I said, okay, yeah, I'm ready. And that was when I went through that glass door in the gym and I thought I was going to die. And went in and said hi to Jack, my wonderful friend, and began to grow in friendship. So, yeah, that that was one thing my wife did was to, share truth with me, but that was just one point. Uh, another interesting little point about relating yeah. to family was one problem I had was I, I was miserable every day because of these in, internal thoughts. I, it was just like I was shaking my fist at heaven mm. every day. I was so miserable with all of these these thoughts. Mm. And um, and I told the Lord at one point, I was on my, on my way to work, and I said, I shook my sort of shook my fist in heaven and says, "I am not happy. I am not happy." Wow! And it was like wow. the Lord turned around and said to me, "I didn't put you on the earth to be happy." Wow! I put you on the earth to please me, to make wow. me happy. Now wow. that you know, don't misunderstand my comment that that God wants us to be miserable so that He can be happy. But God did put us on the earth to please Him, to live for Him. And that sent me into another study in the scriptures. What what does it mean to please God? Mm. Instead of my being pleased, if, if if the plan is not for my being pleased, it's to please Him. Then I need a study in the Word, and so it led me on. A, I think it was about a six month study on mm. studying what it was like to please God. So that was, and and one of the one of the dynamics of that daily misery was I would mm. come home and tell off my family. Wow! You know, one time. A child broke a limb off my apple tree, and uh, I shared what I thought about that. Another time, they were doing slip and slide on my front lawn, and I was trying to keep up my front lawn. And I think you might have had wife, the same appearance that my husband had. Well, like my wife, again, nice. bringing the truth to me, said, you, you just can't come up. I, I figured in 60 seconds, I knew exactly who needed to be told off. That's oh. all it took me, 60 seconds. And so, you know, I, I expressed myself after they were doing slip and slide on my lawn, and my wife said, you can't do that. You can't come home and just pronounce on everybody. So my daily misery turned out I needed to study pleasing God. I was not on earth to be pleased. I was on earth to please God. So well, that was another direction I, I had to go. I want to talk a lot about the feelings, because I know men don't like to talk about that, and you're so open. So I want to come back to that. But before I move on to that, I want to ask you, if you mind, I want to read a pretty long passage from page 166 in your book. And I love this because it's about being feeling humiliated. And I know my dad, I always tell my kids we get to choose humility or humiliation, Please choose humility, because otherwise you will be humiliated. But my dad went from being a very prideful, successful doctor, and the later years of his life, he devoted to learning to be humble. And it was the most 
Oh, so beautiful to see that develop in him. But, okay, so with that context, I want you to imagine how this struck me when I read it. I was slow to understand that when I was humiliated, I was in a strategic place, close to the most powerful position a human being can possess. I'm going to keep reading, but I just want to throw in, if anybody is listening or their husband is discouraged and doesn't know how to get out of it and feels humiliated or ashamed, just remember that is close to the most powerful position a person can possess. I'm going to keep reading. Perhaps 15 years ago, I began to grasp Bible passages that talked about the place of humility in our lives. I began to see my feelings of humiliation as a beginning point to humble myself before God and cling closely to Him. This submission to Him, perhaps at the lowest points in my life, uh, the lowest points in life, ushers us into the realm of the greatest power we can know. So this is what I really highlighted twice. Feelings of lowliness and degradation are strategic opportunities to find power with God, influence with men, and authority over our own sinful nature. When I think about you, I do think of influence with men. I do. I mean, it was like this, when you wrote this, I don't know where you were in your journey, but it was so prophetic in your life, John. I just want to say to God, thank you, Lord, for that. Well, and isn't isn't it strange that that the low place would be the place of power, but the Lord says, this is what the high and lofty one says, he who lives forever. I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly. Mm-hmm. The, the Lord uh, fellowships with the humble mm-hmm. person. So uh. when you feel beat down, you feel low, you're at a place of power if you turn to God and uh, <laughs> tie yourself to the, the, the God of all power because he fellowships with the lowly. I love that. I It just brings tears to my eyes to hear you even quote those verses. I love this message you have. So we have about, we have a short time, maybe three minutes before we have to go to the break. Talk to me, like list for me some of the emotions that you deal with in your book and the things that you've l- learned to deal with in your life. Mm, good. Well, despair was one of the things that I had to deal with. Mm-hmm. I, I had no hope. I had given up on everything. Um, I mean, at one point, I, I, want, I had this ideal station wagon that I wanted, blue with wire wheels and everything. And when I, I finally got it, finally we made the sacrifice, put it on credit, and my son blew up the engine across <gasps> the mountain no. pass. And I couldn't afford to fix it, and it, it was out in front of my house, my dream had died. My dream had died. And oftentimes we tie our dreams to things that we conceive of, and, and they're not tied at all to hope in God. What I discovered when I studied this in the Scripture was God intends for us to put our hope on Him alone, without mm. evidence, without physical things, without people doing what we want them to do. It's just you, you deliver your hope to God alone. And I remember at that point saying, okay, Lord, I... Here I am, a hopeless person. I give my hope over to you entirely. You're the only hope that I have. My stars, after I did that point, all of a sudden the light turned on, mm. and I'm, I'm being filled with joy. Wow. And God's showing me his path, and God's leading me. 
And, and that was the answer. My answer was not clinging to earthly things or people that would give hope. But it was just a hope in God alone. Okay, as we go to the break, I want you to remember as listening friends that you can find more from John Drury at his website, johndrury.com. And it's J-O-N-D-R-U-R-Y.com. And you can also find him on Amazon.com. His book is, Lord, I Feel So Small. And so when we come back, we're going to be talking more about the emotions men's feel. Stay tuned for more adventures as we talk about the things women store and ponder in their hearts. More truth with a Texas twang when we return. Y'all to see my blue-eyed Sally. She lives way down on Shimbone Alley. The number on the gate and the number on the door. And the next house over is a grocery store. I'm here with Mary Ottman, and I asked her to tell you about Water to Thrive. Water to Thrive builds wells and changes lives for people living in rural villages in Africa. Waterborne illnesses have killed more people than all of the armed conflicts combined since World War II. In fact, 5,000 children under the age of five die each day from waterborne diseases. Since 2008, Water to Thrive has built 750 wells, benefiting 400,000 people. You can make a difference by donating at www.watertothrive.org. Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Each week, join Coach Frankie Picasso for Mission Unstoppable, where you'll meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events, and emerge triumphantly. They're people just like you and me, and they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Join Frankie Picasso every week for Mission Unstoppable and learn how. Stop. What if I told you there was a new place for senior care? A place where mom's bathtub recitals are met with rousing applause? Where Lola the Yorkie Poo has the run of the place? A place where corn dogs are on the menu whenever? It's home, where mom built her life. Call Home Instead Senior Care at 1-800-455-CARE or visit homeinstead.com to learn more about in-home services like 24-hour care, memory care, hospice support, and meals and nutrition. Oh, miles and miles of Texas. Yeah. We want to thank our generous sponsors for making these candid conversations possible at Fireside Talk Radio where we talk openly about the things women store and ponder in their hearts, where truth and Texas twang meet. Hi, we're back with John Drury, and we've been sharing and talking about some of the things that men battle in their in their battle to be significant and this how they overcome any feelings of insignificance and how common this is of course women know this most women i that i'm close friends with will tell each other of what we feel insecure about or our, our lack of confidence and 
I know mm-hmm. I know it's an ongoing topic because I tell my kids all the time, if you want to, don't worry about self-esteem, be confident. And the way you're confident is you know what is true and you do what is hard. Learn, you know, learn what is true and, and do what is hard and you will feel confident. Your confidence will grow. Of course, all of that under the umbrella of knowing that Almighty God has a plan for us and a purpose for us. So, John, what I love about what you're doing is you're talking about emotions, and most women can't get our men to talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Well, you know, one that was just had me locked up was, was fear. Mm. Uh, I feared people, you know, scriptures call it the, the fear of man. Mm-hmm. And the illustration I use in my book is, is by a lady of uh, May Angiano. She was Mexican, came up to the San Francisco Bay Area with her, her husband and family. And uh, someone came to her door and said that the, the judgment of God was coming. And she was just locked up with fear. And she she was curious about the truths of the Bible. and But she was just locked up with fear. Sometimes she would have to lock herself in the bathroom so her children would not see her crying uh, because she was so locked up with fear. Um, and, and another one that, that was locked up with fear was Moses. Mm. When God called Moses uh, to go back to Egypt, he gave the Lord all these theological excuses and all these theological questions. But at bottom, it was fear. It, because he, didn't, he couldn't go back to his own people. They're going to say, who, who are you talking to us, little rich boy? You were raised in mm-hmm. Pharaoh's house. Mm-hmm. Who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. And the Egyptians might try him for murder. So he had nothing to go back to. And in the end of the Lord's reasoning with Moses, which is a fascinating thing to track down, mm-hmm. basically Moses says, Lord, in a thousand languages, no, I'm not going. <laughs> and the Lord, of course, brought, brought Aaron along. And then when you track down, and I do it in the book, the, the four uh, bases that the Lord gave Moses mm-hmm. for his mission and his moving into Egypt. But... What Moses needed to do at the end of that discussion, he, he needed to say, Lord, uh, look down. What do you see? Well, Moses, I see your shoes. I, I see your shoes there. Mm. Lord, I'm taking one step at a time. Mm. And I'm going to move ahead. I'm, I'm scared out of my mind, Lord. I'm freaked out. But I'm going to take one obedient step at a time. Mm. And I found in answer to my fear, what I needed to do was take one obedient step at a time, and that was the solution. And little by little, your load of fear starts to dissipate if you take one obedient step at a time. I love that. Uh, you know, to me, I've gotten to where I just view fear as a dashboard, or a lot of my emotions, I just view them as a dashboard. Sometimes mm-hmm. fear is the sim- it's the signal to me that I need to get right and get going and, and make a change, an important change. And so I actually embrace fear now. I, I, I live with a lot of it. I'm high anxiety. Probably somebody would diagnose me that way. But basically, that anxiety and that fear becomes a fuel for me. I, I really wouldn't trade it for anything. I just look at it as one of the many signals I get on my dashboard. I do think people respond to fear different ways. Some people do freeze. I did several podcast, not podcasts, but video blogs on the topic, and you can find those on my website if anybody's interested. They're fun. 
to think about which way do I respond to fear? That's a great question to ask because there are different ways that you can use that information, especially if you're raising kids and you know how your different kids might respond. You can you can almost diagnose what they're struggling with. So I, I love that topic myself. Tell me, and I know with husbands, that's been really great for us to talk about that, my husband and I. We both know our key way to respond to fear like we've diagnosed that in our family so that allows us to really stop and pray and figure out what we want to do based on knowing our instinctive response may not be the spiritual response um now aside from i think fear to me fear is one of the most um compromising kind of emotions if you let it get to your like make you react in a way that's selfish or scared. So what do you what are the some of the other ones that you see that wives can talk to their husbands about and and get good practical ideas about how to help their husbands? One of the things some of us struggle with it it just seems like we have such desperate uh, weakness. We're so weak and and your mm-hmm. guy may feel the same way and so what do you do with with feelings of personal weakness and wow. inadequacy? It's an interesting thing, and it's a topic in my book. And um, we all have these perceptions of weakness, and God says he created us with weakness, maybe to cast us back on him. But we are created with weakness. Sometimes, you know, we compare. I know guys in a locker room, I mean, it's horrible. I mean, it's just comparisons of who's the greatest and who has the most toys and who's done the most. But the truth for many of us is we are weak, and it's, God says he created us with weakness. But, but I love Hebrews 11, where it talks about the saints in the Old Testament. And then it says, whose weakness was turned to strength. Oh, wow. Whose weakness was turned to strength. That, that God has some provision here for turning weak people into strong people in his sight. I'm not mm-hmm. talking about in the world's sight, but turning weakness to strength. And that's what I investigate in Chapter 8 in the book, mm-hmm. is that it can be a starting point for allowing God to strengthen us and to finding what true strength is. I mean, we, we often quote Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And that's the kind of strength, in our, in our weakness, and our desperation, that's the kind of strength we need to fly, find. But God wants to strengthen the one who feels that great inadequacy. You know, I like the way you refer to weakness in that chapter 8 as frailty. I really love that. And, and I find, with, especially with women friends, the more vulnerable and fragile and frail and open I am, the more it binds us together. And, and vice yes. versa, so that our weaknesses be kind of, kind of, as we're open and vulnerable with them, those become the things that tie us together to each other, as we depend on each other. And so I really love that you didn't you didn't just stick with that word weakness, but you talked about frailties and how dear they are, and yes. um, and also some of the other things uh, that have to do with weakness. I was going to ask you. I liked the fact that you did not overlook the certain types of rejection that men feel oh rejection boy that's a that is significant i mean rejection yes. and mockery and i direct yes. both of them in the book and when we're rejected by others um we 
want to go crawl under something. I mean, we, yes. we feel small uh, mockery. Um, you know, unfortunately, I you know start my chapter in the book when some other children and I were mocking a boy uh, when we were children, and but th- but that marked me because. Here I had wounded somebody else, and yet I was mm-hmm. in life going to discover that I was going to be mocked. And it, it's a part of life. You are going to, you know, be mocked. I think another thing that bugs us, maybe related to that, is, is a sense of failure, particularly for guys, when we're comparing and we're, you know, comparing our accomplishments and our toys and, you know, what we've done. And failure is one of the things, you know, I have the sense I'm a failure and I will always be a failure. Mm. Um, mm. And when um, one time when I was pastoring my first church, I, I told Beverly, essentially, I have failed. I failed myself. I failed God. I failed uh, my church. I failed the kingdom of God. I failed everybody. And she, she still will say she did not scream. But she... <laughs> She answered me very firmly, you have not failed. You've done what God asked you to do. You've carried out his work. You've proclaimed his word. You are not a failure. So she stood up to that lie. And, you know, and then I was able to return, I don't know, maybe it was 15 years later to that church and just see Mm. the fruit that God had borne in that ministry in a hundred ways of what I had invested. I had not failed. It was a I lie. That. And she well, exposed that lie that I had not failed. Well, I love that. And we've got about two or three minutes left on this episode. Really, these podcasts are too short for all the wisdom you have. I just want to say this. Uh, you know, I wanted to go through on uh, Chapter 14, you talk about the way men kid with each other. It's called Demolishing the Shame of Mockery. And on page 133, there's some stuff there that I really wanted to go over, and we're not going to have time for that. So I want my listening friends to know the name of this book is Lord, I Feel So Small by John Drury. And you can get that on Amazon.com. You can also go to his website, John Drury, J-O-N-D-R-U-R-Y.com. John, as we close up this show, tell me what is the thing that stands out to you the most in all the work you've done for yourself and other men? Well, of course, we talk about diffusing the lies, finding God's Mm. truth, diffusing the lies. In each of these areas, uh, you know, fear, grief, despair, the Lord had to take me to the scriptures. I had to find the truth. Mm. I had to diffuse the lies that were belittling me and, and um, saying that I was a failure. I had to discover the truth. So discovering the truth from the scriptures, and certainly if guys can bond with other guys and partner with other guys, that's certainly a big help. Well, okay. I just wish we didn't have to close, but I have to say it. Thank you so much for being our special guest today, John. You're welcome. Many Good people... Oh, many people are going to be blessed, not only because you took the time to be on the show, but because you wrote this fabulous book and you've spent so many years in ministry and then you opened up your own heart and life so vulnerably. If you would like more information about our sponsors or guests, if you would like to know more about Home Instead, 
please contact me at kathycraffy.com. That's Kathy with a C, K-R-A-F as in Frank, V as in Victor, E as in Echo.com. And thank you for joining us today. Texas Twang about the very things that touch our hearts. Thank you for joining us today, and we will see you again next week. Oh, hello. Got in peace.